You're listening to My Therapist Thinks, a modern mental health podcast. We're your hosts, Andrea Bozia and Mary Beth Samich. We are licensed therapists with a passion for making therapy accessible, relatable, and relevant to your life. Let's get started. Today, we're tackling a topic that's really made itself known this year, and that is thought and value diversity within friendships. We actually had a listener write in requesting that we do an episode on this, so I'll just go ahead and read that to you so that you can get a feel for what we're talking about here. This listener wrote, I'd love to hear a discussion on the topic of when to leave a friendship because of core value differences. I'm finding that there are two strong messages in the media and the world that I'm seeing right now. The first is to leave a friendship and put your mental health first if you feel a relationship isn't working. So in other words, to put yourself first. The second is messaging implying that it's a negative to not keep people in your life with a different value system because you need to surround yourself with people with different lives and diverse opinions. And she says, I'm not talking about racial differences or racial diversity, but thought diversity. How do you know when to leave and when to stay while still valuing thought diversity? We're really thankful that this listener wrote in with this request because it's one that comes up often both in sessions and within our personal lives, especially here in year 2020. There's a lot of room for solidarity, but also quite a bit for disagreement. Yes, people are having a lot of polarizing discussions about politics and race right now, and we know that differing opinions and beliefs can bring about a lot of strong feelings in relationships. You know, so when Mary Beth and I were brainstorming about thought diversity, we immediately started discussing how our identity and biases and experiences can affect the clients that we work with. So for example, Acknowledging that we're both white, cisgendered, straight females influences our opinions and how others perceive us. Mm -hmm. So speaking from both of us, from a clinical eye, it's nearly impossible not to think about race and gender and sex and even our political climate when we're reflecting on differences of thoughts and beliefs in relationships. Yes. And We would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that for just a moment here. But we also wanted to be mindful to allow this episode to be more generalized to include thought diversity and disagreements across multiple capacities and areas of discussion. So in today's episode, we want to cover three main areas. The first is how to maintain a respectful conversation and relationship when you disagree with a friend. Then talking about how to know when to leave a friendship and when to stay when thought diversity is at play between you two. And then finally, how to manage your anxiety around thought diversity in friendships when controversial topics arise. Right. So I'm just thinking, you know, about how this might show up. And for example, have you ever been at a party or a small gathering somewhere and two friends start discussing a controversial topic where they quite obviously have different stances that they're passionate about? And it's almost like they can't control themselves. Maybe it starts as something really small and snowballs into taking jabs at each other or making passive aggressive comments, sometimes even name calling if it gets really out of hand. And I know that I felt this is really frustrating to witness. And it's even more frustrating to be involved in. 
Yeah. Like recently I actually witnessed a really simple disagreement about how much to leave for a tip at a restaurant become like this really major heated discussion, which turned into values and name calling and so, so much more all centered around whether it was appropriate to leave like, you know, a 10 or 20% tip based on service. And that this represented something like a core quality about the person. So I think that these type of instances happen a lot and it's really, really common. Yes. And I completely agree. And so to get a better handle on how to have a respectful conversation, I really think an essential first step is to understand what's happening to you somatically in your body and also psychologically in your mind when disagreements arise, as well as why maybe some disagreements might escalate more than others, especially with certain people. So the way I think about this is that regulated people are capable of having regulated conversations. Dysregulated people are often unable to do this. And that's because they perceive threat to a greater degree, which is causing that dysregulation. So the level that your argument escalates really correlates to the perceived level of threat the other person is experiencing and what you're saying. So this could be a threat to their safety or maybe more simply to their pride or to their sense of reality, their belief system. I mean, you name it. So the greater the threat, the more dysregulated, and then the less productive the conversation, because at that point, this person is really in fight or flight mode. And when we go into fight or flight, the activity in our brains and our prefrontal cortex really lessens. And that's associated with problem solving, more complex thought processes and emotion regulation. So this is why super intelligent, rational, level-headed individuals can become particularly stubborn or irrational and difficult to deal with in arguments. And just a side note, like we're all guilty of this, right? Like we, none of us have regulation completely mastered because fight or flight is a natural process that you go into when you're threatened. Like if you don't go into that, it can almost signify a lack of emotional health because your nervous system isn't really working for you. So the moral of the story is that regulation is key here and that perceived threat is a very crucial piece of this conversation. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And nowadays I'm seeing that a lot in my office from working with college students to people within the marriages, people who are coming in to talk about conflicts with their colleagues. It doesn't matter the situation. A lot of people are struggling with how to talk with someone they disagree with. Yes, I could not agree more. Yeah, because I, th I think that this is a really big part of why people get so quickly entangled within an argument and things blow up more than maybe they should for that particular disagreement. So there are a couple things to remember to help you stay regulated during a disagreement. The first thing that comes to mind is remembering that what you are hearing and what the other person is saying maybe two different things. So it can be really helpful to repeat and reflect what you are hearing so that you can be really clear with the other person that you guys are on the same page. Because when you're in an activated state, you're already responding from a place of defense and that can take things out of context and make it appear someone is attacking you when perhaps that's not the case. So pausing asking for clarity and even asking for what a person's intention is for saying what they said. 
Mm -hmm. And some language maybe that will help um, that you can use for this is, you know, what I'm hearing you say is dot, 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 dot. And then if that's not what they're trying to communicate to you, that's their opportunity to clarify. Definitely. And I think it's fair also to be like, you know, I was confused when you said X, Y, Z, right? Like acknowledging like, hmm, something doesn't feel right here. Like what's going on here? The second piece would be to listen, to understand, and not to respond. Sometimes I think there's a really common misconception that listening means that you're endorsing somebody else's viewpoint, right? That is not the case. (laughs) If I could just like kind of drill this into people, um, I would, because, you know, it doesn't mean that you're endorsing or even, or agreeing, right? Just listening to understand and not to respond. Exactly. And there's a real difference with that because when I am in a conversation with someone, for example, that is listening to respond, I noticed them practicing blocked listening. And what that is, is a form of selective listening. So that's when the person is quick to respond with a lot of like, yes, but, and a lot of you're wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You might also recognize that they're responding to your last point, not the one you just made. (laughs) Right, right, right. So like not the overarching point, but just kind of like the last few sentences that you said. And and when that happens, I often suggest backburning the conversation or like Mary Beth says, you can shelf the conversation and that's appropriate to do. Like if you find yourself getting highly activated, it's not a type of avoidance, although it can be, but it's actually practicing self-regulation to say, all right, it appears as though we're not on the same page here, or we're not in the place to receive this information together. So let's come back to this in 15 minutes, or let's come back to this tomorrow. Yeah. And another thing that I think um, can often be involved in these conversations that is noteworthy to, you know, take a look at our thinking traps. So I often refer to these as like unhelpful thinking styles or cognitive distortions. And I'll talk about them in session with clients because it's important that you can recognize them. So things like jumping to conclusions, mind reading, overgeneralizing, or even labeling, um, or all or nothing thinking. Um, If someone is unaware of how these are showing up in their thoughts or their statements, things can spiral out of hand pretty quickly. So it really takes that awareness piece because these definitely show up when we're feeling threatened or anxious or angry or fearful, whenever we find ourselves in that fight or flight mode. So doing some work around self-awareness for these is key to having productive, respectful conversations. Yeah, I think this is a very important one. Just taking the time to pause and ask yourself, is there another way of looking at this? Right. Is there is is it possible that this person's intention could be different? And I think a, a way to help yourself do that within the conversation is to use I statements to communicate what you think and what you feel and what you need, as opposed to like projecting what another person may think that you need, right? Yes. There's nothing worse than listening to two people have a conversation and they're kind of like throwing that projection at each other. Like, well, you're, you think this, and I'm like, We'll just let the person tell you how they think and how they feel instead of mind reading, right? Because that doesn't do anyone any good. Definitely. And that brings up the point of not to make things personal, 
and to ask yourself if it's the idea that you're upset with that the person is bringing up or is the person actually putting you down and labeling you and and using inappropriate language. Yeah, that's a great point. So now let's say you've practiced all these things that we've just mentioned and you're starting to question whether or not all things considered, this friendship is still a healthy one to stay in. Yes. So like our listener asked, how do you know when to leave and when to stay while still valuing thought diversity? And the major question here is, can I respect you? Can you respect me? Can we respect each other? Respect is a core tenant of a healthy friendship. So ask yourself, is this someone that I feel will respect me when I openly disagree with them? Can I be myself around them without fear of judgment or shaming or rude comments? And if the answer is no, then it doesn't seem like a healthy or productive friendship at this time. It doesn't mean it can't be later either, which is something we'll get into. Yes, definitely. I really believe that relationships that practice intellectual humility are the strongest. And and what I mean by that is that there's a level of awareness that we don't know everything, but we're also willing to be open to new ideas. That's like the primary ingredient to a healthy relationship, I think. And you know what? This does not mean that you're going to compromise on your beliefs just to get along with someone, but that you're not going to characterize that person who disagrees with you as an awful person, inferior or stupid or whatever other deteriorating word you want to use. Right. All those labels. So each individual in each relationship is different and therefore should be treated accordingly. So I'm really not a fan of grouping people into categories of right, wrong, ignorant, enlightened. I'm more interested in really trying to understand, you know, what life experiences have shaped and informed your thinking. Because many of us can live in different worlds within the same country. Our lives can look completely different. We may be raised completely differently. Um, So who am I to say that if I was living in someone else's shoes and circumstances and really embodied their experience that I wouldn't think and view and value things differently? So really seeking to understand first, and it's a true measure of emotional intelligence, and that's empathy. And how hard is it for you to truly imagine yourself in that person's shoes and actually empathize? Because that's what that means. And not even just to imagine it, but to embody it for a little bit and envision their life and experience as your own. And until you've developed and adopted this skill, your judgment isn't helpful. Absolutely. Being able to practice empathy. And in many ways, I would say this is really compassion for others. It helps us move beyond that dichotomous thinking, right? That idea that things are clear cut, right and wrong, right? So by not jumping to conclusions during a conversation, it really creates this space for us to be able to critically evaluate maybe our own stereotypes and to ask perhaps if there's an alternate perspective that would be helpful to take at this moment. Because when you're able to do that, I think that's really a marker of this cognitive and emotional maturity. And this is one of the reasons I think it's very important to become clear on why you are frustrated with a friend's opinion. Because just because your opinions differ does not mean that that relationship is not compatible. Yes. 
And research shows us that having friends that are different from us and finding ways to navigate and then reconcile those different viewpoints has a great effect on our cognitive advancement. So there were a lot of studies specifically done on this in the 90s that looked at cross-category friendships, which just means that they're looking at friendship that have differences in people's sex, their socioeconomic status, their values, their race, et cetera, et cetera. And they concluded that having friends that are different from you is very important because these relationships spark the development of post-formal thought. So post-formal thought is the idea that it's in a more advanced form of thinking. And it's one of the main differences between adolescent and adult reasoning. I want to pause here and just make that distinction, right? Adolescent versus adult reasoning. Like how many times have you been completely triggered and flooded and, and felt like, you know, these are two, two, like even preteens fighting with each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it actually brings me back to our last episode of talking about connecting to your inner child. Mm-hmm. Such a great point. Yes. What triggers are coming up for you and how old are you feeling in that moment, in that conversation? You know, maybe that was a conversation that was relevant to that time in your life and you're not really able to access this present moment um, where I'm, you know, hopefully you've established some adult reasoning and some healing in that area. Definitely. I think what that means is that disagreeing with your friends or having to have a hard conversation with a friend is not a bad thing. And it doesn't have to be a red flag because, right, we're moving into that adult reasoning, this post-formal thought, which provides us this opportunity to nurture thought development and to be cognitively stimulated, right? Think outside the box. Amen. And remember, thoughts are not facts. Thoughts are flexible and people can have experiences that change their values and their opinions. For example, I look at myself and my views 10 years ago versus now, and they're very different based on the life experiences I encountered within that time frame. you know, who my friends were, where I was, where I was living, what I was doing. So I encourage you to not seek to change or unduly influence friends, but to do give them grace. Um, And just give people grace in their potential for self-development. And in terms of having anxiety around thought diversity coming up in friendships, know that anxiety around disagreement is natural and normal, right? That there's nothing wrong with you or wrong with the other person for triggering an anxiety response within you. It's just a natural part of conflict And being able to navigate that anxiety is going to be really important with whether or not you're going to be able to manage the relationship moving forward. Yes. And when you feel and have confidence in the strategies that we discussed earlier in this episode, um, it makes it so much easier to get through these conversations productively and respectfully. And you might learn a lot about the other person. And maybe that other person has a lot to contribute to you too. Like, you know, it's it's really often a great benefit to disagree and to learn from someone that way and grow in your relationship. You can't really, I mean, they say this with couples all the time, like disagreements are opportunities for growth. Yeah. I love that saying. And it's really freaking uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Like disagreeing can be uncomfortable, but you know, I encourage 
you to ask yourself, am I avoiding this friendship or this person because of my anxiety around this topic that we disagree on or because this is truly an unhealthy relationship? Mm, Good question. Yeah. So I guess we leave you with the idea that there's no clear cut answer here. Surprise, surprise. Right. And you probably already knew this and we want to acknowledge that it's okay that friendships can create some anxiety and hard discussions can create some anxiety, but being challenged by a friend is not a bad thing. You're challenging yourself intellectually and being given the opportunity to really you know, practice self-regulation. And that's a benchmark of emotional maturity. And, you know, it's also healthy to know that you are allowed to take a break from a friendship that's emotionally taxing. You know, if you assess that there are really limited opportunities for growth in this particular season of the friendship. And in terms of having anxiety around thought diversity coming up in friendships, know that sometimes self-care requires choosing not to argue with people who are committed to misunderstanding you and that you have full permission to utilize that energy elsewhere, maybe even to fuel your passion points. And we also hope that having the tools we discussed that will help promote respectful and productive conversations around around those difficult topics will naturally ease some of that anticipation anxiety that you may experience around these conversations. Thank you for inviting us into your day. We hope you enjoyed the information shared in this episode. As a reminder, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. We encourage you to reach out to a licensed mental health professional to support you in continued growth. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when new episodes launch, to rate and review us on iTunes, and follow us on Instagram at ABC Therapy and at Your Journey Through.